Welcome to Treasure Talks. In this episode, I speak to Steve Foster. Before getting into that, I just wanted to give a quick mention that I will be bringing in a lot of podcasts I've been recording, editing, lining up the interviews as well. Um, I've got ones that are about wildlife conservation. I've got a music artist coming on hopefully this week. I've also actually got a real big hip-hop star that's agreed to do it, but I'm just trying to um, sort of confirm time, so I won't mention any more about that until until we get it sorted out. Um, I've also got a lot of athletes as well scheduled to come on. Um, so yeah, please keep following, subscribe on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, and you'll get all the updates then. I'm also on Instagram at treasure underscore talks. But let's talk about this episode with Steve Foster. I've known Steve for a couple of years. And uh, one thing that I love about this podcast is I've actually, I mean, it's silly, really. We should all do it. But you put your phone aside and you actually get to speak to someone um, properly, you know, for a good hour. And I was completely unaware of Steve's story. And it's crazy, like what people go through, and we don't even know a lot of the time. But I want to thank Steve for coming on, showing courage, and talking about a tumultuous time of overcoming cancer and depression. And now he's transitioned to something that he loves, and he's helping others and teaching others. Um, so it's a great story as well. If there's a, a specific part of this podcast that you want to get into, just go on treasuretalks.net if you're not already. Go on the page with Steve and I've timestamped it so you can basically forward into the part that you like, or that you came for. And that's it, really. Um, I'm not going to ramble on any longer. Let's get into it. Steve, thanks for joining us. Can you just tell listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, my name is Steve Foster. Um, so I own and direct and head coach of a company called Kratos Strength and Conditioning. Uh, so we're an online fitness company, uh, as well as a one-to-one personal training and sports performance coaching brand. Um, we're based in a gym in Birmingham City Centre. So, And that's obviously where we met. I think we've known each other for about two years, a couple yeah, of years. So, yeah, two years, yeah. Uh, and obviously, we got speaking not long ago, and that's when I became aware of more of your story, which we'll go into shortly. But also, we took part in a CrossFit competition that you and Anne pretty much well, put my well, name, yeah, <laughs> put my name down. And to give like listeners an idea of you and and what your kind of philosophies on fitness are, I just told you how my lungs felt like they were bleeding, and you said, yeah, that's a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what sort of drives you to do competitions and things like that? Um. So. I used to be a like a high level basketball player, so there's no real kind of super professional leagues in, in Britain. So I used to play at a national league level um, in the UK, um, which has always been my competitive drive from an early teens, really, um, playing competitive sports, um, but more so basketball. Um, and then when I decided to retire from basketball in my early 30s, um, I found CrossFit um, and it was uh, a fitness kind of uh, experience that kind of led me to kind of push myself uh, within uh, on my own individually, but also finding out that the competitions are there as well for individuals and teams um, just kind of gave me a good environment to kind of push myself and experience a new competitive level really. So it's uh, it's pushed me on the last probably seven or eight years to, to become fitter and probably stronger than I've ever been to be fair as well, stronger than I was as a basketball player. Um, physique's massively changed and um, yeah, kind of just new experience. Do you feel like you needed to fill that void once you... 
Yeah, yeah massively like a super competitive person, whether I'm like walking down the street next to someone to take them over. <laughs> Trying to race. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether I'm playing Monopoly or whatever it is, I just, I've always had that competitive drive, which is always, it's been a weird conversation within the family because no one else plays sports. No one else does anything competitive in the whole of my family tree. It's just like this black sheep to me. <laughs> Um, trying to beat everyone at everything in the whole entire history of the world. Some, um, pe- some people are just wired like that. And I think when you have, you know, took part in sports, it makes you feel like that, doesn't it? Like oh, you, definitely. Wanna, you always have that. And I think all of us have got that in us to some degree, you know, yeah. like a competitiveness. Like that. Yeah, definitely. I think like, you just have to find your competition, like whatever you like competing at. And, you know, it's different for everyone, uh, whether it's sports, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's, you know, chess, whatever that may be. Like, I think once you find that thing that you're competitive about, but then it does kind of overfill or overflow, sorry, into, into other things in life, I think. And that's always been a big, a big aspect for me. Like in my twenties, I kind of knew that like I wanted to do more and I was being competitive with myself, um, about how I could better my life really. Um, so yeah, so like my sporting history kind of over, overflowed into the rest of my life really in some senses. That's what I love about sports and fitness anyway is that the transferable skills yeah you, you take the discipline and then also seeing results because sometimes when you think about like business or anything really what education it feels like so far away to meeting that goal so then when you go into fitness and you see that actually the hard work that you do yeah, pays definitely. off then you realize actually anywhere any element of my life i can put this in and then start seeing the yeah the definitely and i think the big thing for me as well was um when i went kind of like when i set up the the strength and conditioning brand and the fitness company like i took whole whole control of my own fitness then as well and uh, whereas historically i'd always had like a coach um or a trainer or someone that was in kind of like control of my results to a degree so i always kind of had to get out of jail free card like oh my coach's fault is not pushing me enough so and so's fault is this fault um, whereas kind of when I went self-employed and set this up, I was like, well, I'm going to take a wholehearted control of everything now. Um, and although I go visit coaches and we do sessions in the gym with other coaches where they kind of design the workouts, like I'd say 90% of my own fitness now is based around my own programming. Um, and I'm probably the most rounded that I've ever been, like from a fitness aspect now, like I'm as strong as I've ever been, my conditioning and my fitness is good. Um, so as a whole package, I'd probably say that I feel like I kind of feel, feel the whole fitness puzzle myself. Um, and I just kind of go and visit coaches periodically now for like technical aspects or technical skill to learn new stuff. Um, or just to get a different experience of what someone, you know, classes as their strengths and weaknesses and putting workouts yeah, out. I think you can, you can always learn, can't you? And that makes a good coach yeah, definitely. as well. Definitely. But then the fact that you've got that perspective that you just said of, with accountability and now you're yeah. in control. You're, you understand that from your client's level as well. Yeah, don't you? yeah, yeah. And I think the thing is as well, like my outlook uh, for my business and for my clients is about trying to make clients as fit as they can be within the remit of the time that they have available. Um, I have a wide span of customers. So I have like performance athletes, I have like a professional boxer um, who runs a full well, semi part time job at the same time. Um, so trying to get him as fit as possible um, in the time that he's got, he's married and got kids. Um, but then I've also got business owners that are kind of like, right, I've booked an hour, but I can only do 35 minutes. So I need to get that time and I need to get that working. 
and you know understanding everyone's kind of journey is different like one size definitely doesn't fit all um and one session or one plan doesn't kind of work for everyone so yeah like for me it's about being um pliable um to making sessions or the the fitness journey kind of fit that individual um because not everyone wants to be a performance athlete not everybody wants to you know to compete at any level competitively so it's just like i just want to be fit enough to get through life and healthy enough to you know live a good quality life so yeah i think that's so important and it's overlooked a lot of the time by both coaches and people who sign up to to you know take their life in their own hands and their health yeah i've just at the minute i've just structured something for my family like a six-week plan and even though it's a six-week what i'm trying to do is show them that okay they're asking me questions like really specific questions i'm yeah. saying ignore that yeah you're not sleeping enough you're not drinking enough water let's do that yeah and then we start looking at you know like making them accountable for their calories but what i want to do is go from like a real basic level the foundations go up and then sort of um, get more difficult and then they can kind of gauge yeah, yeah, of where course. where you know what level because it's like you said it's not always about trying to be a, prof- a professional athlete which no. a lot of people I feel like when they go into these things and even the coaches try yeah. and set to <laughs> I think like I think you really you, you hit the nail on the head a little bit there because I think sometimes as well like clients will come into the gym and for the majority they'll see the coaches either training or doing their kind of thing and they'll be like, oh wow, like that's my aspiration. But also like our, as a coach, my lifestyle and other coaches, our lifestyles are built around our fitness and we have a lot more kind of time to a degree, um, but also because we're a little bit more educated, we have the ability to make the most of that time. So like a prime example for me today is I know that like the next two days, I'm not gonna have time to train. So today I've got like two 45 minute windows where I'm kind of like, right, I need to get some really good quality work in. I did like a 45 minute session this morning. I'll do one this afternoon, but I also know that that's it now until Sunday. So it's about kind of making those workouts fit the time that I've got, but also to make it fit what's not gonna happen for the next two days. So it needs to be high intensity, it needs to be aggressive, um, and kind of being able to kind of transfer that to to clients as well and saying, well, we've only got this amount of time, so we need to work on this. We need to get your heart rate up, we need to get your blood flowing. You know, doing a heavy lifting session when you've only got 20 minutes, it's not going to be great. So let's do something that's going to get the heart working. Um, and I think like the thing that I've found like ever since I set the business up is I'm more, the more I educate myself, the more aware I am of everybody else now. Like, because when I was a performance athlete, I was all like, oh, everyone should just do a thousand burpees and just work really hard. And if you're not sick on yourself, like you're not training <laughs> yeah. hard enough. Um, and you know, the way that's evolved for me is like that I'm more educated about the people that are around me that I train. Um, so I give them a better experience, but that'll also play into the future for other business ventures. Um, because for myself, I'm looking at opening another business, which is based around corporate wellbeing and corporate fitness. So going into workplaces, of, of companies that are kind of like high stress jobs and kind of trying to educate them as well about, you know, you don't have enough time to be the fittest person ever but you need to be the fittest person that you can be. And like you said, you know, how much sleep are you getting? How much are you eating? What kind of hydration level have you got? How active are you? Yeah. You know, kind of that's kind of like spreading as like a company ethos, not just for Kratos, but for, for future ventures as well. Yeah, it sounds good. A, a lot of people need it. And as I said, it's 
setting them foundations first and then you know yeah, yeah, yeah. build what, the basics some people want to run before they can walk quite literally like just going out and walking if you're not doing yeah. that then why not start with that yeah exactly exactly I, I do use the term um build the basics or bulletproof your body um you know just if you can do the simple things like push-ups and dips pull-ups and go for a fast walk or a run um, and do some body weight squats if that's all that your body can manage and that's the level of fitness that you're at you should just master those things you know there's no point in trying to be like i want to learn to do olympic lifting i want to do clean and jerk okay well you can't squat well you've got no shoulder mobility so you can't press yeah so your aspirations are going to start further backwards but we're not saying that you're never going to be able to do that but you know jump into that level of kind of going we're going to do this this is what i want to do here's my money teach me this yeah you know as a fitness professional you know it's my job to turn around and say well actually that's not for you like what you actually need is x y and z um and then we can look at that six eight twelve months down the line um and just kind of build build them better ready for for you know for the more advanced movements or more advanced fitness but you know there's no point trying to kind of run before you walk in that sense you obviously do a lot of olympic lifting now and that comes into the crossfit training how different, you, because you mentioned basketball, how different is the training from what you did when you were playing high-level basketball to now? It's a world of difference. Um, and I think, you know, without going, uh, I have to be careful how far I go off on a tangent with this because British <laughs> basketball um, is right now probably as good as it's ever been. Like We've got a great future. We've got a great GB team that's literally yesterday just qualified um, the highest it's ever qualified for the European or the world. World Cups. Who were the best teams within the UK? Um, so, like within the BBL, like Newcastle Eagles are really good. Um, Leicester Riders are really good. Um, but you kind of find that it goes through peaks and troughs. Like Worcester Wolves had a great university team that used to be kind of BBL as well. Um, so everyone's had their glory days. Birmingham Bullets back in the eighties and the nineties were great. Um, but in those in those environments, like British basketball doesn't have a great kind of uh resume i suppose it's, like i say it's been as, as good as it's ever been um or will ever be i suppose not will ever be, but as good as it's ever been um but i think like there's, there's an education process that's probably like 15 to 20 years behind other countries like we don't have strength and conditioning programs within clubs even at the high levels um guys are just left to do their own fitness and they're just running up and down the court um, just making sure that they're kind of cardio fit and they're kind of almost left um, to do their own weight training with a little bit of guidance but not a massive amount um, and when I set the business up originally my idea was that I was going to try and infiltrate the basketball clubs and kind of help the youth and you know unfortunately that's kind of not panned out the way that I imagined it to over the years um, due to funding and clubs not being able to pay for the services which is you know fair enough um, so you've got guys now just doing fitness programs of you know doing push-ups sprints um, and a lot of body weight stuff and just general fitness but there's nothing specifically being put in place really and i know some clubs are trying to bring that up now you find that in a number of sports as well in the uk i think the ufc which is like mixed martial arts in america yeah, one yeah. organization i feel like the coverage they've got in recent years has shown the how important Olympic lifting and different types of yeah, training yeah. is. Where yeah. here, I feel like we're beyond even you know football and other sports as well. Oh, massively, think. massively. I mean, like when I was when I was playing basketball, like we would literally pre-season would be um, sprinting basketball lines, 
push-ups, like repetition on running plays and sprints and just playing basketball. And um, then the coaches would be like, oh, you just need to go do your own, own thing. And at that point in time, I wasn't educated enough to kind of know what I was doing. Um, and I think, you know, if you were to see pictures now of what I look like now and what I look like as a basketball player, it was only really probably about five kilos difference. Like I was about 91 kilo basketball player, six foot six. Um, but then like I'm probably about 95, 96 at the moment. And I think if you were to see body shapes, massively different. Um, and I never really used to lift like when I was playing basketball because I was quite quick. But I would say I'm probably still as quick now, even though I'm kind of heavier and when... Was that a worry then? It sounds yeah, like yeah, that may yeah, have been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, if I get too heavy, I'm not going to be able to move. Um, and one of my kind of like benefits of the positions that I played was that I was quite fast. So other six foot six guys didn't want to chase me um, because I was quite light. Um, but also on the flip side of that, they used to bully me because I was, like, I was quite slender and slim and didn't have a lot of muscle mass. Um, whereas that's kind of changed now. So when I do play basketball now, which is few and far between, like there's, I feel like I'm a lot, a lot better equipped for it. So it's a shame, really, because in the in the generation of basketball players that I was brought up in, you know, I feel like I probably missed out on opportunities just because I didn't have that that knowledge to to build myself as a basketball player from a, a strength a strength development kind of process. Um, but such is life. It's led me to where I am now. So. Um, I'm not complaining, I live a good life. So. Yeah. yeah, and it's a good chance to talk about it on things like this or when you speak to basketball players now and then they can learn from yeah, that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I, I do a little bit of work with some basketball players um, and they've seen the benefits. And if I have the time in the summer, like I try and visit summer camps um, and try and do like some free taster sessions and stuff like that. Um, and I don't want to make it sound, you know, I've kind of referenced a couple of times that, you know, about funding and taster sessions or that there's no money in basketball in England. I mean, it's not all about making a, a profit out of kind of organisations, but obviously it's time spent um, that, you know, unfortunately you can't volunteer everywhere no. for everyone, giving everyone knowledge because we've all, you know, we've all got to make a, make a living somewhere yeah. and it's to, a shame really. To make it sustainable, you need to be able to make it a part of your living and that's the only way you can yeah, do it. of course. But just speaking about it, I think helps as well, as well as having basketball players uh, do your programs and stuff but boxers as well there's um, a bit of a misconception that if they lift too many weights they, they will start slowing down but yeah. then now you're seeing yeah, development yeah. in that and people are getting quicker yes. with weight. obviously it depends what you're doing and again you have to tailor that to each boxing style or each uh, each person but I just think uh, it's developing like in, in all sports massively massively and I think Olympic lifting has come to the forefront because of CrossFit a lot more um, so people in the fitness industry, you know, for whatever reputation CrossFit has for the individual, but I think Olympic lifting in itself, like if you can manipulate that um, for your own training needs, whether that's just light reps for speed or if you're doing heavy reps for power or whatever, like there's a window of opportunity for everyone to kind of learn that and kind of help develop. Um, I've been quite lucky really, because like I say, quite quick for a man of my size so Olympic lifting kind of fell quite naturally once I got the mobility for it um, and I've always been quite explosive although not the most athletic at basketball but I was always kind of quick and kind of powerful in that sense so I kind of I picked up Olympic lifting quite well to be fair um, and I enjoy it as well which makes obviously lifting weights a lot more fun because for me the whole traditional kind of like bench press squat kind of shoulder press like that kind of body
bodybuilding ethic is not really kind of like my kind of would you find that boring yeah definitely repetition repetition like and i take nothing away because the amount of um what's the word that i'm looking for the amount yeah discipline and commitment you need to kind of live that lifestyle is immense um i'm quite lucky that because i'm quite mobile i do a lot of high intensity stuff as well like i don't watch my food as much as what kind of like that bodybuilding community do and it's just not not yeah it's about finding what what's for you and um you have to put yourself obviously out of your comfort zone to probably find it but yeah, when yeah. you do find something that you enjoy it's good to stick oh, with massively, that massively. sometimes i think people may think that you have to go to the gym and not like it but there's something there isn't there like you found olympic lifting where you know someone could walk in the gym who's been doing all these bodybuilding things and just think you're doing the same as them where yes. in fact yeah you've gone down a different avenue and found something that you enjoy within yeah. that realm yeah of course and that's it and you know that i think the benefit of that kind of functional fitness or crossfit mentality is that you know once you do a little bit of reading a little bit of education on how to program like crossfit workouts and those kind of styles like it's quite good fun like putting workouts together like because you can kind of like pick and choose like strengths and weaknesses um pick and choose timelines so how long are you going to work out for is it a sprint workout is it endurance workout how does that you know and all those things make a massive effect on each workout um, and it's interesting when you kind of you design something and you think oh yeah i can do this i can do this i can do this and they're good strong movements for you and as soon as you put them all together yeah. and then ask yourself to move at a faster pace than you usually would everything just kind of yeah i've definitely felt that yeah, and yeah. since we've been training together as well we've yeah definitely. I've, I've definitely noticed yeah Sometimes you look at it on paper and you're like, okay, I can do this, I can tackle yeah, this, yeah. and then next thing, you're like, yeah, I'm lying yeah, <laughs> on my back yeah, on the floor. Yeah. Like a little pool of vomit or dribble, <laughs> um, and you're just questioning life choices. But, you know, I think that's that's what makes it mo- the, the most interesting for me. I, I find, or I think, personally, I suppose I'm a little bit kind of biased, that my programming's very good for stuff like that, and the clients that I have with my online programming, um, you know, I get angry text messages from them because the workouts are so horrendous at times. Yeah. Um, but you know, if they're like, oh, I want to do a conditioning workout, I've only got 15 minutes a day, or I've only got 20 minutes on Thursday, you know, can you angle my workouts and my training towards that? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And put things together. And then, you know, we have this uh, running joke about probably 50% of my clients or 60% of my online clients reply with emojis now. So I get like this emoji response of how they found the workout, <laughs> um, which is quite amusing because I get like this little pop up of like sick strong yeah <laughs> like bike um, you get reoccurring emojis yeah, everywhere yeah, yeah, the, the yeah. vomit one probably um but uh, you know i think from from a, a progress point of view though i think if you were to speak to them all you know off the books whatever like they're all still doing the online program they're still doing the fitness stuff um they're still following what gets put on there so yeah you know and they're making massive progress which you know is always good to see so how did you get into um you know training people and how, what did you transition from to get to well, that's, that's a trend? long a long 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 emotional story but so I used to be a teacher um, so back in my early 20s I was lucky enough to do a little bit of agency work because I qualified as a, a chef when I was at college so I didn't even have a fitness background um, I got an agency job uh, at a college uh, which happened just to be working in and around the college um, which led to over a period of 18 months of ending up applying for a teaching job because I found out that I was educated enough to, to apply to be a teacher or a trainer assessor, I suppose, as it's called in that, in that uh, situation. 
What made you um, want want to do that? Just again I, I wanting didn't. to influence people. Oh, you yeah, just didn't. It's like, just no, fell no, into no, like it. It was opportunity. Um, like if you'd said to me at like 18, 19, are oh, you going to be a teacher? I would have been like, nah, I ain't doing that. I hate kids. Got no kids myself. So that's not <laughs> that means that I hate kids, but I've got no kids. Yeah. Um, it was more opportunity. Um, and if I'm honest, I suppose I looked at it as a pay packet uh, because I was doing agency work. Um, so the work was unsecured, really. Um, and at that point in time, my boss was like, oh, we've got this part-time teaching job coming up. Like, you can apply for it. We know you're unqualified, but the college will help you get your qualifications. Uh, we'll put you on some college courses and, you know, you can you can do this job. And I was like, okay, then fine. They told me how much money it was. I was like, ah, oh, I'm in my early 20s. Someone's going to pay me X amount, £20,000. I was like, great. Like, I'll be rich. Well, I wasn't rich, but... Um, <laughs> Feels that, like it at that Yeah, age. yeah, definitely. Cause it was a, and it was a, a regular job. And yeah, I was so like, having that security yeah, and, yeah, and your like first career. Like, yeah. I'm going to be a teacher. Um, and yeah, then over probably the next 12, 18 months again, like that got bumped up from a part-time job to three quarters. Um, and then I ended up as a full-time trainer assessor. Um, and everything just progressed from there, really. Over the span of probably 12 years of working at that college, I went from kind of like agency worker to doing maternity cover for middle managers um, and just a couple of management positions, but always went back to lecturing or teaching um, and basically spent 12 years teaching between level one and level four, kind of like MVQs and HNCs, um, which led to a lot of opportunity, to be fair. Um, they sent me to Russia, uh, taught in Russia for a, a cross college project. Uh, which was a great experience. So over two years, I spent like two months, maybe I think, maybe three months in Russia uh, each year, teaching Russian students who spoke English, catering and hospitality, which you know not many people can say they've had that opportunity. Um, you seem thankful for like the the opportunities that it gave you. Did you oh, enjoy it at the time? That... Yeah, there was a point when I loved it, um, and there was a point when it was opening so many doors for me that. It was um, probably how I saw my future, kind of like, oh, I can do this. Like, obviously, you get a pay rise every year, you get more money, like... Um, but there was always, like, an underlying thing. I mean, I used to teach, and then I was playing basketball on top of that as well, so I was, like, doing a lot. Um, but I kind of always knew that it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life, and I hadn't really kind of figured out what that was. Um, and I think the big thing, it was, like, it was always going around in my head, like, you, you never wanted to be a teacher. Like, what do you want to do with your life? You need to figure this out. And I kind of had this weird kind of God complex where I was kind of like, I'm, I'm made for more. Like, I'm meant to be something else. Like, you're meant to influence people or you're meant to change people's lives. And I suppose as a teacher, I was doing that. Um, but I just wasn't passionate about it. And I didn't kind of really care about the kids enough. And I was going through the processes of, of teaching and just kind of turning up every day and just going through the cycle. But then... You know, you get that all like, oh, it's parents evening on Saturday, you need to, you know, you need to be in on Saturday, and I've like, well, got a basketball match. Well, you can't, you need to come to the parents evening. Okay. No, it's open day, this day, and it's open. And then it started to kind of like overflow um, more into my personal life. And then I think it got to a point where you become, I suppose I became an adult because then I was kind of being mindful of these things. Whereas like when I was in my early 20s, I'm like, well, I'm not doing it, and I just not turn up. But then kind of got to like 26, 27, and I was like, well, you know, you need to be more mindful, you need to turn off, you need to be a professional. But I just didn't enjoy it. 
Um, and there was there was things that then changed for me massively. Um, so basically, what happened was I got taken sick. Um, I was at work one day. Um, yeah, and then I was kind of having a conversation with my boss, like on the Monday or the Tuesday, I think it was. Um, and I'd got a, a swollen testicle, like, and I was like, oh, I've got this like this lump, and like my testicles like really swollen. And he was like, oh, you should probably go get that checked. And I was like, yeah, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Um, and I left it for like a few days and it kind of really wasn't getting any better or kind of just if anything, it was getting worse. Um, so I basically had a testicle that was the size of a lemon. And which... that, and it, how, like, so from the time when you noticed that, how long had it been until you did get it checked? Was, was it quite soon? Or... Yeah, I mean, I was very, uh, that's probably the most adult I've ever been in my life, to be fair, I think, because I think it was, and I, I'm guesstimating, I think I had the conversation with my boss like the, the Monday or the Tuesday the week before. And then like the Wednesday afterwards, he was like, oh, oh, the Tuesday afterwards or something like that. He was like, oh, how's it been? And I was like, oh, it's still like not great. I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to the doctors. Um, so I went to the, the doctors on the, the Thursday. Um, and then it was it was a funny story because my, my general doctor was a man. So I was kind of like, oh, I'll book in, see the doctor. So I got to the doctor's clinic and the, the receptionist was like, oh, I can't remember the doctor's name. So the Mr. Doctor on on holiday you've got a lady doctor and i was like oh geez yeah <laughs> you don't want to like go yeah like this is going to be awkward um so yeah i went into the clinic um and then yeah she was she was pretty brutal straight away she was like you need to go to hospital like we need to get this checked like this is not normal um so she was actually around the hospital there and then i ended up going to hospital on the friday what was going through your head at that stage once you said oh, that and you realized like, how serious it, it was it, it's funny because it's like oh i'm a super positive person trying to stay on top of things like and i kind of was like oh it's nothing like this is going to be nothing it's just like a whole nothingness it's fine yeah um and it was quite interesting then because i used to have this process on a friday where like i'd go to work and my mum or, or my dad would pick me up from the train station on the way back and i'd go for dinner with them every friday um and the doctor was like oh we need you to go to hospital tomorrow um and you're gonna get this checked out so i was like i won't tell anyone it'll be fine i'll just end up back at the train station um and we'll just go about life and i'll go out for dinner with them and no one will be any of the wiser because there's nothing wrong with me um yeah and then that's where that all changed went to hospital on the friday um ended up having some tests some scans done um on the testicle itself and then the doctor was like we need to do more tests so i ended up in hospital for nearly six hours on the friday with my lungs being scanned um all my major kind of glands being kind of looked at as well um to yeah to find out that after all that had gone through that i got testicular cancer um and that on the monday morning i was going to have an operation they were going to take my testicle um and see so your life pretty much changed within a in, span of like you know, two yeah, weeks like, yeah two, three like weeks. two weeks um and that was just crazy like i came out of the hospital and i was fine like i was just put my earphones in as i always do um walked out of the doctor uh, walked out of the hospital um yeah sat on the bench rang my stepdad or my dad uh, as i call him um, and i was just like oh um, can you just come and grab me from the hospital? Like, I'm about to have some tests done today. And he was like, okay, is everything all right? And then just basically sat in the middle of a, like a quadrant bench, just crying my eyes out. And, and he was like, where are you? What's going on? What's going on? So, you know, he was great. He came and got me. Uh, we had a conversation. So we kind of, you know, 
then you've got to tell your mom that you've you've got cancer, which like is probably the worst conversation I've yeah. had in my life. Yeah, I can like, imagine. Uh, my mom's, you know, she's fit and healthy. Bless her, and you know, sitting down with your mom on a Friday afternoon and kind of going, oh, by the way, I've got cancer. I need to go into hospital on Monday. I'm gonna have an operation. You're gonna take this out, um, and but everything's gonna be fine, you know, because then you kind of like you your role changes then because then it's kind of like, well, this is, although this is my problem, like I need to be strong for the people around me to show that I'm not worried about this. Um, so yeah, so I went through that. Um, that weekend was quite tough because uh, obviously, as you can imagine, my mom was emotional. Yeah. Um, and but, then like you say, you're trying to change your role from being the person who's worrying and yeah, having the news to them to protecting like, people. Fine. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, so yeah, and that basically went, we went into hospital on the Monday morning, had the operation Monday, came out on the Tuesday, um, and the NHS were great. Like, they looked after me so well. Um, had, I think it was about three months off work, I think, um, just to, for rest and recovery. Went through a whole chemo process and went through like five years of um, kind of regular scans and stuff like that. I'm happy to say now that that's all done and dusted. Um, but that was a, a defining point for me then. No wonder. What? So once they said, you know, you, you have to have the operation, um, what was the kind of procedure after that? Were you told that everything will be kind of fine? Obviously, they can't say conclusively yeah, yeah, everything's yeah. going to be fine, but I mean, was you I'm... under the impression that everything will be okay after the operation, or was you worried, you know? Yeah, I mean, they, they, were, they were very clear. Like, the reason why they'd done the other scans on the other body parts, because they were very clear on the fact that if this has spread, this is going to be a problem. But I was lucky that because I've been kind of so kind of on top of it and so adult about it, I suppose, that like they were like, oh, you've, you've been sensible, like you've come to us soon enough, we can just take this out, this is fine, you will be fine, like there shouldn't be any kind of like rollover, any other issues from that. Um, you just crack on, like just get on with your life. Um, you know, I've still, there was never any kind of issue about me being able to have kids afterwards, they were like, you'll still be able to have kids, like you'll still be able to go on about life normally. Um, you just get to choose whether you want a silicon testicle or nothing. So, you know, um, I made that decision um, and I went with a silicon testicle oh. and for generally like the the population of people that have kind of experienced, like they can't tell the difference. Really? So, See, yeah, I, I didn't I, even know that was a thing until yeah, just now. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Crazy. so literally like for, for any women that have kind of experienced that since that point of my life, yeah. Like, and if I've never told them about that experience, no one's ever kind of gone, whoa, what's up with this yeah. weird testicle? They're just like, oh. or I play a stupid game, I'm like, guess which one's a fake one? <laughs> um, and they're like, what? <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, uh, they, were, they were really clear on the fact that if I looked after myself, um, I mean, I was in good shape anyway. And, and I think this what, what this does show is that kind of like sickness and kind of like disease doesn't kind of really discriminate. Like I was in good shape for the whole of my basketball career. I've always looked after myself. I've never been overweight or out of shape um so these kind of things are just like well we'll get you because yeah. you know and this was just basically from what the doctors told me like an xy chromosome thing what should have been an x ended up being a y or whatever and you know this was going to happen at some point yeah so it's happened now move on with that said do you think there were any factors in your lifestyle at the time that may have contributed or um, um anything yeah, I mean, I, I think back to how my lifestyle was because as fit as I was, I used to drink a lot. Um, I used to party a hell of a lot, um, which I don't really do anymore now. 
Um, I always have this thing about like keeping my phone in my pocket now because I kind of think was my phone something to do with it? Like yeah. I've got this like radio. Active. Does it make you think like that? Then like yeah. once it's happened, did you start you know trying to put your finger on, even though you've said you know it was probably going to happen anyway? Yeah, we don't really you know. Make, but... You make evaluation choices, don't you? I think and. Like I said earlier, like it was a big turning point for me on a lot of things. Like I was living a lifestyle that, you know, what I thought I should be doing. So I'd be out every weekend partying with people that didn't really know that well, but kind of like that's what society tells us. You go out on a Friday, you know, you know, do Jaeger bombs, like get fucked up and like drink cider until you can't see or speak, and you know, and then you have a kebab on the way home, and you know, then I'd get up and go play basketball, and because I was in my twenties, I could get away with it. Um, but, you know, you're kind of in that bubble of kind of like, this is what society expects of yeah. like a 20-something-year-old man. Yeah, so you um, were still fit and healthy. You were probably like the fitter out of the group. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nev- you know, nevertheless, you still had these little elements in your life. Yeah, where yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, was my body massively. Yeah, yeah. contribution. Um, and that's it. And I think, you know, when I, when I came out the other side of that, like all of these things that kind of like, whether it was the drinking or the partying, or the job, um, that was then kind of like the case of like, okay, like you need to be a happier person. Like, and I think it was interesting because it kind of got worse before it got better because then once I decided that all of these things that I didn't want to do or, you know, needed change, it became a a, a struggle then because I realized that I really didn't like my job. So I used to sit in my car like 10, 15 minutes before I was meant to be starting work, almost crying because I hated teaching at this point now. I kind of got to that point where I was like, I need to do something else. Like I was stressed because like I didn't like the workload and because I didn't enjoy my job. Like I was making it worse for myself because then I wouldn't do stuff. So I'd be like doing the minimum that I could do. Um, we had some management structure changes. I ended up with a line manager that I didn't get along with, which then made things even worse. Well, to go from probably on autopilot and just doing like you say, what you're meant to do, what we think we're meant to do, you go out and enjoy um, socialising, but maybe out drinking, and and then you're still stay, staying fit and healthy. You've got a career, but then all of a sudden you go from that to your life like completely changing in two or three weeks, and you yeah, suddenly yeah, think, "Hang on a minute, yeah. I've been taking this for granted." Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure the the car journey to a job that you dislike suddenly changes from where four weeks before, yeah, you didn't like it. Yeah. But then this time it, it must yeah, be different. Yeah, yeah. You, you think. I don't want to be wasting my my life. Yeah, and this is it. Like I was doing probably a 40 mile round trip every day in my car, driving to work like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I've got this class and these students and I've got to see my line manager and I've got to go through these processes and I really don't like this. And I kind of like, I got to a point where like the job was kind of making me super stressed and I really wasn't happy with myself. So I kind of gone through this process of, probably having six months off work through the operation and the recovery to go back to work. And I think I was probably there a year um, teaching again. And then basically the, the, my life broke down again and I basically just started crying one day, went to the doctors, explained to the doctor that like I really wasn't happy and like the, my work stress and my life stress was kind of really getting on top of me. Um, and he was like, you, you need some help. Like you need to go talk to someone. Like you've obviously, the, the aspect of having this like this cancer had kind of I kind of thought like I dealt with that and although physically I had probably mentally I hadn't to a degree um, but then on top of like not having a job that I didn't like not having a job that I liked and it was kind of like being forced to, to work when you didn't want to work 
and doing all these things that I didn't enjoy. Kind of like my brain just kind of was like, yeah, we're done with this. Like I, was, I got rashes on my face, rashes on my arms, where my body was just kind of like reacting and saying like, there's something wrong, like you need to address this. Um, so I ended up then taking, I think it was probably six or eight months off work with like with stress and depression. Um, and that was that was rough because it was, it was an, something that I'd never experienced and something that kind of like, as a man as well, maybe, I don't know, like, you don't want to admit that you're kind of like, you, you're in a weak spot. Um, I think there's a stigma with that, with men. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, like, when you, you look at, like, recent history, a lot of sports people, like, a couple of NBA players have come out. Kevin Love's a big guy, um, big NBA superstar. He went through a stage, like, last season, I think it was, where he was really struggling and he was, he had to come out and press and be like, look, I'm seeing a counsellor, I'm seeing, like, a psychologist, like, I'm really struggling with the, the ordeal of, being an NBA player and a sports performance guy and a role model and you know life has its pressures for everyone and I think for me at that point like without going into too much detail both my mum and my sister have had like mental health struggles over the years and I was always like well I'm you know I'm a man so I'm fine and we always had this running joke in the family about you know all the women were crazy and imbalanced and you know it was it was a running joke and it was it was banterish and it was a laugh but then when it was my problem I was like oh hang on a second and then I looked at how how much of a struggle my mum my and my sister have been through I didn't want to be like them like without sounding disrespectful to them because they've both been on their journeys and they've both come out the other side and they're both doing really really well now um, but I was like I don't want to go to the, the depths that, that, that they've been so I was like I need to sort this out um, so I was going to you know the doctors had sent me to like a self-help group to talk about my cancer experience, to talk about my stress, to talk about my depression. Um, work were, you know, they were good in the sense of, you know, they sent me to occupational health and gave me the care that I needed. Um, but I remember having a distinct conversation with one of my line managers when I went back after this period. And he was like, you're kind of done with this now, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, like I need to leave. Like I need to go find myself and do what I want. Um, and it was, it was an interesting conversation because he was like, oh, just, just wait it out another 12 or 18 months and they're going to kind of start going through redundancies and they'll get rid of people. You can get paid to leave. But when I was at that point where everything was so bad, someone offering me potentially £10,000 was not enough. Like, I was like, I'm done. Like, yeah, after, just... after you've been through that journey, what you've just talked about with... Yeah, um... like, money's irrelevant. Yeah. Money's super irrelevant. Like, I've never really been... Like even as a business owner now, like I'm, I'm not financially driven to be a millionaire. Like that's not my thing. Like if I end up being a millionaire one day because of being successful, so be it. But I don't look at figures and numbers and days and go, this is what I want to earn. Like I just like influencing people's lives. Um, and I think in that process when I was, when I was off work with the stress and the depression, um, it gave me a, such a clear amount of time because like literally after a week of like being at home, I was like, I'm in a good place now. Like I don't go to this shitty job like I get to do what I want to do like I'm in charge of my own time so I started reading more um, managed to get to the gym a lot more make better food choices because I was able to come actually go shopping whereas when I was a teacher I was always eating on the on the road or on the move um, and I started making better choices I used to sleep more um, yeah so for that kind of six or eight month period when I was off it gave me the opportunity to go okay what do you want to do like where do you want to be now? Like, let's, let's make a plan. There's, oh, at this point in time, there was like there was myself. I was seeing 
I was seeing someone and she was really supportive to be fair. Um, and she was like, whatever you do, like you, what you just need to be direct and do it. And she was literally like, I'll support you, but just don't mess about. So like, do, you, do you think it was directly the, um, cancer that started that? Or do you think it was a combination of everything? Uh, obviously I'm not very well educated with depression and obviously um, yeah, that was the worst bout of it. Had you experienced it before then, or was this a shock to you at the time? No, I see. I'd never really had like any family members go through that kind of stuff, um, so I'd never really been on the other side of the coin either, um, of kind of dealing with someone going through operations and recovery of certain things like that. So I've not really kind of had that experience, um, but the the cancer was definitely the start of like, okay, we need to make change. And it, it could have been, it sounds like, obviously, you're trying to put on a brave face for everybody. And in, in doing so, then you're... Yeah, you know, you're just you're, absorbing. You're just yeah. absorbing. And I think, again, like when, you know, the, the cancer was the start of that. And then kind of like not dealing with it properly, maybe. Um, you know, it kind of put me in a position where then like my brain was a bit kind of like, okay, we need to like almost shut you down, like because you're not dealing with things. So then kind of like everything got on top of me. Um, and then, like I say, with that time off, it gave me such clear view and gave me clarity on the fact that, like, you don't want to be a teacher. Like, why are you a teacher? Like, you need to just solve this problem now yeah. and go and do something else. Find it, find out what it is. Like, do some research. Find out what you want to do. Um, and I always, I always enjoyed, like, the coaching aspect or the teaching aspect of it. I just thought I was in the wrong environment. Um, and like you've always played sport, you've always been fit, you've always been healthy, like let's go explore what you can do and make other people healthier. Um, and I think that was it then, um, kind of like in that period of time when I was off, I was able to kind of go, okay, well, this is what we can look at, you know, and as I said earlier, like the idea was that when I set the strength and conditioning business up, that it was just going to be just working with basketball players. But then I found that, you know, I had a bigger spread or a wider kind of uh, umbrella of people to kind of work with and like now I'm so lucky for to being able to help not just sports people but you know um, doctors dentists barristers um, but other teachers I've got a couple of teachers that I coach and you know when I talk to them um, you know you can see that they have the same stresses and anxieties and problems that I used to have and I'm like you like I don't tell people to change jobs but I'm like that's never going to get any better like you need to evaluate what you're doing now because I've been there and I've been at the bottom, and when you sat in your car and you're crying because you don't want to teach people, or you don't want to walk into a building because it's causing you that much stress and anxiety, like that's when you need to make a decision because otherwise it becomes too much. And then, you know, some people just suffer this for like the whole of their careers because they think it's okay. Try and sweep it under the carpet, which you yeah, were do you were yeah. doing anyway yeah, yeah, before exactly you were told. Long time. Yeah. Um and that's it, and I suppose like I'm not gonna say I was lucky when it became to like the sh the stress and the depression stuff to to reflect back on on my mum and my sister, um, but I think having had those experiences with both of them, that I was able to kind of go, okay, well, so and so has been through this and they've got to that point and it's been that bad that they've either had to go to hospital or they've had to go to care or they've had to kind of you know be medicated. Do you want to be that person? You know, the doctor said to me, oh, we can give you these tablets. They'll make you better. No, they won't. Like, all they're going to do is actually just going to make me go into a little bit of a coma. And they're going to blur everything and they're going to hide all the problems. 
And I was lucky that, again, having had those people around me that have been through that, that I was like, oh, I'd rather deal with this, like, head on. So let me go talk to someone. Let me go speak to the right people. Because I knew in my heart of hearts and at, the, and at the back of my head that this was not a long-term thing. I just actually just needed to fix up, change aspects of my life and make better decisions. Yeah. Um, like I say, it sounds like you may have been sweeping under the carpet how much you hated this job. Yeah, and then yeah. once you had that life-changing incident yeah, yeah. And, and being told about um, you having cancer and then recovering... And then when you go back, it's just completely different, isn't it? What other could you list some of the things that you think you did for your depression that then has brought you to to where you are yeah, today? Yeah, I think you know I've always I've always liked being outdoors, um, but I never really had the opportunity as much as I wanted to. Like when I was in that job or that environment, um, so I made like the executive decision to make sure that I was going out more and walking more. So. Um, I try and do like Snowden three or four times a year. Like I get up really early, drive Snowden, whether it's on my own or with friends and family, and just kind of go for a nice long walk, get plenty of fresh air. Um, go to Iceland next week just to do exactly the same thing. Nice. Like um, spend plenty of time on my health and fitness as well. Um, I think people underplay the importance of just spending time trying to be fitter and healthier. Um, and even if you can only manage 10 or 15 minutes a day, you know, it's about that kind of. Um, relaxed environment pushing yourself getting a bit sweaty and just kind of like just releasing the endorphins in your body of like this is what we're we're made to do you know too many people are sat still all the time um and just making better food choices reading more um i don't really watch i've never really been a television guy anyway but i don't really watch television now um and i just love music as well like i listen to a lot of music one of the big kind of like quirky things that I do with my social media like with my Kratos strength and conditioning stuff is that I always kind of upload the music that I'm listening to throughout the day like um, two or three times a day like this is what's on my playlist yeah. while I'm squatting this is what I'm on my playlist while I'm walking um, today's like a jazz mood today's like a soul mood yeah you've got good taste in music I've uh, established that yeah. from them posts because you're into you know people like Jay Diller Black Star yeah. some of my favourite hip hop yeah. and that's the thing and I think the thing for me is with music as well I like going backwards as well so like a, if I find a song that I like and I'm like oh where did that come from or where did that kind of like loop come from or where did that little bit of like intro come from and I'll go back and back and back um, and over the past few months I've become a massive like Donald Byrd fan who's like a massive jazz um, musician from like the 50s, 60s and some of his stuff like I didn't even know that he made the originals of certain songs okay I'll have um, to listen to yeah that. yeah so like there's a big um, like Jay Diller did like Think Twice which was like a big Diller track but like Donald Byrd did the original. I was like, oh, okay, I didn't know that. Um, so it's just like, um, I think that like my, my mood is driven by my music and my music is driven by my mood in both ways. So I kind of, you know, if I want to, if I get up in the morning and I just want to be super chilled, like I just put like a nice little track on um, and kind of let that dictate like my heart rate and my pace and just kind of like, okay, we're chilled today. But then also on the flip side of that, like if I'm doing like a high intensity workout, Daft Punk, Something a little bit more housey, um, like Hannah Watts or something like that, and just kind of go all in, um, heavy lifting, Wu Tang, kind of like keep that mood jumping all over the place. Um, it just makes me feel better. Well, um, the, this is why I wanted to start like a podcast like this because, I've, like I say, I've known you for over two years now. We've trained a lot together. Uh, we did that competition together, and I was unaware of this story until like the other week. Yeah, literally like two weeks ago. Yeah. And then talking to you now 
you've gone from having you know physical and the mental sort of struggles do you know like yeah, 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 back definitely. to back and then yeah. now it sounds like you're doing both um that's what you're attacking now with trying to sort out your physical and mental health like you're saying you go for walks but you go for walks in nature yeah you listen to music that drives your mood and vice versa yeah and then all these things like are linked and that i, I like that sort of holistic approach to, oh, to to doing both physical and mental definitely. but i wanted to touch on as well that um because of your experiences with that and how you look at more than just okay let's go into the gym indoors and lift these dumbbells and then go um it affects your clients and future ventures yeah. that you're thinking of doing um what's this with the corporate thing and is that has that all come about from your from what you've been through in your past experiences um, I think like that that kind of like the corporate projects, it doesn't have a name at the moment, so it's still a kind of in its massive infancy at the moment. But so I think there was a lot of a lot of different levels there because I found that by working with people in the gym, whether it was like performance athletes or like personal training people or whatever that may be, that there was a bigger a bigger, I suppose, elephant in the room that wasn't really being looked at. Like spending an hour a day, um, or an hour a week, sorry, with me. Um, or two hours a week or whatever that that client could afford to spend you know you were making a small difference there but there were so many aspects outside of that that were just not being looked at um and i was having a conversation with uh with my physiotherapist um who works in near green sarah so she was like i was having therapy on a twisted ankle or something and i was like oh i'm thinking about doing this this project um i kind of want to get into some workplaces and just try and help people make some better life choices about how they're working and like their work-life balance, their nutrition. Um, Cause I feel like there's a bit of a, a market to, to kind of go and help people. Um, and she was like, oh, that sounds like a really good idea. Maybe we can go for coffee and like, maybe I could like give a little bit of help. I've got this project and I've got this software or this kind of that I can draw on. And maybe well, we could look at doing this together. Um, and to be fair, like the, 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 the thing that we've, we're trying to put in place now is that we've got a potential project where we will go into corporate businesses. Um, so whether that's kind of like web design, whether it's finance, whether it's barristers, solicitors, dentists, whatever that may be like corporate kind of setups, um, and kind of say to them like, well, we'll come in, we'll talk to your kind of like your workforce. Um, and we'll kind of like do an, an on mass evaluation. So the idea is that we'll, we'll go in or, um, all of the people that attend will get, kind of like a body scan. So we found some software that's come from America. Um, so they get kind of like the height, the weight, the body, um, the blood pressure, the body fat, um, the visceral fat, like all of these things measured. Um, each individual gets kind of like a, a pamphlet kind of feedback sheet um, about where they're at. So we can kind of give them an overall kind of like, okay, like you sat down all the time, you're not active enough, like you're a little bit overweight, you're a little bit underweight. Um, you know, what's your sleep patterns like? So we kind of like, do some presentations on like sleep awareness, like hydration awareness, um, stress management in the workplace. So we're talking to kind of those higher kind of like earners or those higher kind of positioned management people about, you know, time management, and, you know, how much time are you spending on social media, which is a big thing. Because um, the one thing that I get from a lot of my clients is oh, I'm working at home, I'm working at home, like I do my eight hours and then I go home and I have to do my emails and then I'll take the phone off them and I'm like, how much time are you spending on Facebook today? And they're like, oh, not that much. And then like, obviously like Apple phone, iPhones now and 
Android phones, they can tell you how much time you're on your phone. I didn't know this until recently as well. I, I can't, I, I haven't worked out how to do it on there. I don't, okay. I'll be scared probably to, yeah, to yeah, have yeah. a look. And this is the thing because, um, you know, the, like, so the iPhone definitely, I know Android's a little bit different, but like with the iPhone, like you pick it up, like you go to the, the, uh, the tracking device and it'll say, like, you've picked up your phone 300 times today. Like you've spent 48 minutes on Facebook, 36 <laughs> minutes on Instagram. Um, it's scary isn't it yeah and the thing is like when you when you look at these things like when you add that up over the week or over the day you know if you're if you're if you're the owner of a company or you're working for a company and if you're spending like three four hours a day in those working hours on facebook like whether you're in the toilet hiding or wherever you may be like that's time that you're not working which is then time that's overfilling or overflowing into your personal life so then you're like oh, well, i'll go do my emails at home Oh, what are you doing when you're at work? Yeah. And I'm not saying this is the case for everyone, um, but we've kind of like put together a package um, that incorporates so many different aspects. So it's based off each company um, having 12 presentations. So there's 12 key topics that we're looking at, which range from nutrition, sleep, um, stress management, time management, um, workload, family life, exercise and fitness, and all of these different topics. So we kind of go in and say to, to these guys, okay, well, we're going to cover all of this, like, and we're going to give you some education yeah. um, on how to kind of look after yourselves a little bit better. Um, and there's people out there doing it, um, but we just feel like we've got a better perspective and it's more personalized as well. So we'll take each company as an individual um, and kind of like do a little bit of research on each company and say, well, okay, if you work for KPMG or an accountancy firm, what are the key stressors? that highlight in your kind of uh, sector. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like timelines, all that kind of stuff. And you've, ex you've experienced this from different elements, from starting out in sport and thinking you were doing all the things you needed yeah, to do yeah, to yeah. be fit, to yeah. the struggles that you had to work in um, your profession. So like, yeah, you're the perfect person to, to do it. I just wanted to ask a few questions to finish off. I like to ask people okay. um, things that could help listeners. Yeah. Um, is there anything in your day, putting you on the spot a little bit, okay. but um, something in the day, like a routine or something that just helps your day go smoother? It might be something you, you do every day in the morning. I, f I can think of one already with the music, but is there yeah, anything Yeah, else? I think like, it's always, I always have this kind of like 10 minute walk to work. I'm quite lucky that I work close enough to work to, to be able to walk. Um, but headphones are charged every night. Always kind of like, come out of the flat, press the button for the lift, headphones go on, what's on the playlist today? Like, what am I feeling like? So that's probably the most, kind of like the first thing that kind of goes straight on. Like, listen to something positive, put something on. Yeah. Um, and also make sure it's kind of like lively enough or kind of yeah. like, I like to have a little bit of singing and dance as well. So like when I get to the gym, like if the gym's empty, like people walk in and I'm like a little bit of a dance around. I'm just kind of like, so just, yeah, sort of getting the positive vibes yeah, in the morning. Yeah, Some yeah, people, definitely. you know what I liked before, it used to come on this uh, radio station on my way to work and it'd be like motivational quotes and I'd be yeah, like, oh yeah. God, what's this? And then after listening to it for a bit, I felt, you know, yeah, buzzed yeah. for the day. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah definitely, is... definitely. Um, I think that's probably like the, one of the key things. Um, I'm almost, I'm also um, an avid napper. Like I fully believe that like if you've Aren't got the all? opportunity yeah, yeah, um, to get like that 20, 20, 40 minute napping in the day if you can. And I know that's not necessarily the opportunity for everyone because of like work commitments. Yeah. Um, but like I probably five out of seven days a week, head back home yeah. at lunchtime. 
because a PT schedule is a bit weird, isn't it? Like you have the morning, a little bit of a break, and then yeah. all the night. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like you, you kind of have this split shift, and then you're trying to manage your training around it. And then obviously like with the online uh, online business as well, with the online programming, it's kind of like making sure that clients have there's, got all their work. It's definitely an art to nap in, though. Like oh, you, you need the 20 minutes, and then, yeah, yeah. or, well, everyone's different, but you don't. I've, yeah. I've had them ones where. A nap soon turns into a sleep. And oh, you're like, definitely. Oh, no. <laughs> I get a good 20, 25 minutes most days. Uh, my mum finds it amazing. She's kind of like, I'll go to hers, lie on the sofa, yeah. and I'm like, I'll speak to you in 20 minutes. <laughs> Wake up, and she's like, I don't know how you do that. I'm like, but I think that's just from being busy as well, I think. One other thing I wanted to ask is, we talked about the stigma, uh, the stigma with men and depression, but also with checking, like, you know, yeah, just checking yeah. your testicles and things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't sound like you had a problem and you that, you know, could have saved your life and well, did well, save your this, life. This is a thing. I think um, the one thing that I learned that, you know, over the period after being diagnosed that I was hearing about more people that had had this problem um, and people that had passed away from it as well because, like, testicular cancer, from what I can remember, the doctors were like, look, it's attached to your main bloodstream. Like, I had, like, something called a seminoma. Um, and there's different variations, so I can't really remember the, the, the full dynamic, but they were like, if you have this specific type and it gets into your bloodstream, like then once it's spread, like if it's spread into your lungs, into your lymph glands, like there's nothing we can do. Then so it's just a point of time. Do you think it's something that people should be checking every day? Uh, I, yeah, I wouldn't say like, every day, but like that... I, I think you, you've got to be fully aware of what's going on with your yeah. body. Um, and I think like in your heart of hearts, a lot of the time, like I, pr I think when I remember backwards, that testicle was probably swollen for longer than I cared to admit. Um, and it took it to get to a point of being too swollen for it to then, for me to be like, oh, I need to pay attention. Like, so I think like there's, you do have this kind of capability to kind of block these things out. And I think you just have to kind of be ruthless with yeah. yourself and be like, okay, the NHS is a great service. Like they provided for me and they've provided for family members for me over the years and it's been great. Make the use of it and kind of like if you feel like there's a problem, like you just have to go and get it checked up because what's the worst that's going to happen They'll or the best that will happen is they'll tell you that it's nothing. Um, yeah, so the NHS is a great service um, and they've looked after myself um, and other fam family members in relation to kind of like sickness and stuff. So I think you have to kind of like be an adult about things and be like, okay, like if I have this problem, whatever, how big or small you may think it is, if you go to the doctors or the hospital, best case scenario, you're overreacting, you yeah. know, th that is not a problem, you're going to be fine. But also what's the worst case scenario, you hear about people who ignore these problems for years or months or weeks, um, and then they go to the doctors and they're like, oh, how long have you had this? And they're like, oh, it's been like this for three months. Okay, well, there's nothing we can do now. This is your problem. This is your lifespan. Like obviously, cancer is like a massive thing now. Um, well, yeah, it's, it's every prevalent. one in. It was one in three, and now we're closer to one in two people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cancer, and that's the thing. Like, so that means, like, obviously, like, hopefully, it's never going to happen to you because there's two of us sat in this room. So I've got the quota for both of us. Yeah. Um, but when you look at it like that, when you look yeah, at it's the, scary. Yeah, yeah. Like when you look at how many close friends you have or family members, you know, that means that the two or three of you out of you, you're probably your closest family, are going to suffer at some point. So you just have to be on top of these things and you know it's hard it's hard to accept that you may be sick and you may have to go through some trouble but and it's kind of coming through the the other 
the other stage of that so you obviously you you check and then you identify there might be a problem and you got up and you went yeah, to yeah. The, you knew you had to go to the doctors yes. but for me i'm rubbish at going to the doctors or anything like that and i think you you have to bite the bullet and you then do. because like you said it was uncomfortable you described yeah. when you first went into the doctors yeah, yeah, yeah but this is an important thing isn't yeah, it going definitely. and I mean, just getting it done like i said earlier like the thought of like going to see a male doctor and showing me testicles is embarrassing enough and then to find out that your male doctor's on holiday and you've got a female yeah. doctor. I think they did that on purpose. They yeah, staged they, it. Yeah, yeah, I think they did, to be fair, they heard. Um, and she was, like, as always, like, blonde, like, six foot, like, fresh out yeah. of university. Oh, shit, yeah. Like, and she was, like, she was nice. <laughs> yeah, um, last thing you like to do. Oh, man, it's cold. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kept saying it. Yeah, oh, it's, it's like, cold in here, isn't it? Can you warm your hands up, please? Um, but luckily for me, like, she was... You know, she was on the ball, literally. Uh, <laughs> not intended. Um, but she, yeah, she was on it. She was, um, she was proactive for me. Yeah. And the thing is, you, that's where you have to kind of take the positives of the services that we've got to hand. Um, and I know it's tough because you hear of kind of like bad experiences with doctors in NHS where they're just like, it's fine. But if you've got a testicle that's the size of a lemon, it's not fine. No, like, you need that, to go and get yeah, it. Yeah, you need to go get it checked. Yeah. You know, um, and you kind of know your own body as well. Yeah, so. I mean, we joke about and stuff, but the these com having these conversations and you being so open could help somebody. Well, this is it. it. This is it, and that's all you can, you know. That's all I hope for, kind of like not just with this experience or that experience, it's just with the the experiences that I have with all of my clients and business. Like you meet people, like some people can only afford to be coached like once a month or once every few months because of their their living situation. Um, so all you're trying to do is kind of like give knowledge experience for them to be able to take more things away so they can be fitter and healthier and live a better life you know not everybody's lucky enough to to be able to have three snc sessions or three pt sessions a week um and kind of have that expense and not really think about it you know when i try where i can like you know if you know that people are kind of like married and they've got four kids and they're kind of like struggling with things i'm like look i've got this spot it's a bit of an unusual window to train but I'll, i can do it a little bit cheaper i'll try and help you out yeah because I can see that you need that help. Um, and I think you've got to have that flexibility um, because I think that sometimes if you're too kind of financially business driven, that like the business doesn't come. Yeah, well, uh, and obviously you're doing it for more than, than that. And then yeah, obviously yeah. by helping people out like that, you're breaking down barriers. If they come to the gym a couple of times, then they might go in on their own and yeah, start yeah, really. Of course, of course. Like, I have a, a, well, probably one or two really kind of like specific clients that come to mind that, when I think about their life experiences, that kind of one gentleman like two years ago, like had never been in a gym, like and when he used to, you know, he, he couldn't deadlift more than a broom handle, um, and he was nervous and he used to get like anxiety and like now he's kind of like deadlifts like 140 kilos, like he started Olympic lifting, like he's a, a, a strong part of the gym, um, and it's good to see because you kind of know that you've you've had that kind of effect on someone. Um, and he was only saying literally this week um, that he pays for other kind of care services outside of the gym. And he was like, I'm thinking about not paying for this and this, and I'd rather give you the money and spend the time with you. Yeah. He said, because I feel like I get more out of being with you than I do out of other yeah. services. We have to I'm work on our, ourselves. And that's, as you mentioned with social media, people are you know, unaware and unknowingly um, putting their time into something that's not themselves yeah, and, yeah. and we're also doing that with money the, yeah, yeah. the amount of money I'll spend and then I think actually you know 
I'm moaning that I can't go and, and do the yoga down there. Yeah. Why don't I just take this money here and just do that exactly. once a month? It doesn't exactly. have to be. I think sometimes the problem is, okay, so I want to do yoga. I'm going to go yoga five times a, a week. No, yeah. just just make a start first. Yeah. And, and that's then it. And that's, how, that's how I feel anyway. Yeah, life choices are so... Like, I think the more you educate yourself, like, the more you become aware of what's going on around you. Like, I, as a basketball player and as a teacher and, like, as a person that used to earn a very good wage, like, I used to spend so much money on trainers. Like, and I still have, like, a, a good trainer collection for money that I've spent, like, historically. Um, but now I just look at all these things as, like, material goods. Yeah. Um, and as a basketball player, I was always kind of known as the guy that always got the freshest yeah. trainers and always the nicest kicks. And I was like, yeah, it's cool. And like even now, like I dig pairs out of the collection, and people are like, oh, you still got fresh shoes. I'm like, yeah, but I don't buy them now. Like nowhere near as often. I see them more as a treat, whereas before it was like every month. Yeah, there's, a, there's like, nothing wrong with that, but like you say, you know, you see it for what it is now. Yeah, I guess. yeah, definitely. And like I've spent time, um, like filtering through the collection, selling things off. Um, I went to Iceland earlier on in the year, um, which was funded by selling trainers. Oh, like, really? I actually started selling my training collection. Oh, shit. That's, um, that's really good yeah and that kind of like that experience for me was bigger than these trainers sat in boxes in the corner like doing nothing um, and I think like the more I become self aware the more I'm kind of I am aware that I don't need these things like my happiness is kind of more driven by one of the people I spend time with my circle's got so much smaller now like people have a running joke in the gym that I don't really have much of a social life because I don't go out partying I don't go out drinking but the people that I do spend time with like are valuable to me um so whether that's my family or my friends people like yourself and anthony um or people in and around like my close circle like my best friend and his god kids like they're the people that i value more than anything like me going out drinking with some person who's like third tier yeah friend of a friend drinking jaeger bombs that's not for me like yeah. there's no value there like and i'm going to lose time in my life as well where i'm going to be hung over not going to be able to function not going to be able to train can't drive like it just closes the world off so i just think you know be more selective about one what you're spending your money on and where you're spending your time because as we all know like once that time's passed like it's gone yeah like any of us could you know could die tomorrow so make sure that the way you're spending your time is your most kind of valuable why go to somebody's 60th birthday party of your mate's mate yeah if you don't want to be there now that that resonates with me because i spent a lot of time late teens to early 20s going out drinking waste i didn't realize i was wasting time but i was yeah. with people who are called friends but they weren't no. it's about living with purpose yeah, i think yeah, oh, definitely. Living with purpose. you know you have that whole kind of that saying that famous saying of kind of like uh, youth is wasted on the young and yeah. it's so true like if you know again if i knew then what i know now like my life would be totally different like i would have opened my own business earlier um, you know, I have plans hopefully to be like this time next year to have like three, maybe four businesses. And that's just kind of like by grafting and doing the things that I want to do with the time that I have um, and being around the people that I want to be that be around that inspire me. Like, like I say, like you and Anthony, like great inspirations for me, like for training wise and for business wise. So it's been around those kind of people yeah. that are going to kind of say to you like, yeah, do that. You know, I have a couple of clients that are self-employed and they're like, why are you waiting? Just do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like one of my very good friends when we used to play basketball with Adrian, he's another guy. Like I used to play basketball against him for the whole of like my playing career. Um, and we've only really become friends probably more so in the last 12 months. But like, inspirational guy. Like I'm like, I'm thinking about doing this. 
alright, go do it. I'm like, yeah, but he's like, no, 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 there's no but there. Like, go do it. Yeah. Like, and he has his own aspirations. Like, he's a guy that wants to open his own school. Like, and I'm like, when he told me that, I'm like, that's epic. Like, that's great. Like, go do that. And he's like, yeah, well. That's the kind of mentality you want for yourself, but also around you. Yeah. Um, yeah obviously, you want people telling you, you don't, yeah, yeah, well, right, you, you don't you when you need it, but yeah, then yeah. also you need, oh, yeah, for myself, yeah, like, yeah, you know, nice. positive mindset. Yeah, right, definitely, because it? it's nice to be able to say to someone, what do you think about this? And for them to give you a, a non-judgmental opinion on it, like, that's a great idea, Steve, but you need to consider X, Y, and Z. Or, that's not such a great idea, but if you did this, it would become a good idea. And then you're like, ah, didn't think about it like that. Yeah. And to get that other perspective of people that are driven is is so much better than having them people around you that you're kind of, I'm going to think about opening my own business. Yeah, of course you are, you douchebag. You're never yeah. going to do that. You're nothing. You're just a teacher and a basketball player, blah, 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 blah. No one ever opens their own business and be successful. Oh, okay. You know, and now when I look back, like a lot of the people that I used to spend time with, they don't, you know, and I'm not rude to them and I'm not, you know, um, you know, I don't dislike them as people, but they're just not the people that I need in my circle now. Like, I'm, my aspirations are bigger than what theirs are, I suppose, or they're happy with their aspirations, I suppose that's a bit more kind of a respectful way to say that. They're happy with their lives, they're doing what they want to do, they're comfortable doing what they, they feel makes them happy. Yeah, so. you've got like the, the crabs in the bucket mentality sometimes that I've talked about before, where, you know, if you see crabs in the bucket and one starts getting to the top and almost getting out, the ones will grab you and, yeah, yeah, and, and bring it back, back down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because I think a lot of people um, are just scared or yeah. nervous or yeah, I think like, it, comfortable. It, it can make you feel like or it can make some people feel insecure seeing yeah, people yeah, make moves yeah and i think the thing is like people aren't prepared to do what it takes to get to where they want to be as well like i suppose you know for me like like, what, like early 30s making that decision to kind of like quit like teaching to quit like a best part of a forty thousand pound a year job to potentially you know i'm thinking about i'm gonna open my own business i'm gonna do this and i went from that to then I suppose I ended up working at a, um, a factory for a period of time um, where I used to have to clean out the extraction unit. Like this thing was full of like MDF wood and timber. It used to take me four hours to like clean this thing out and I get in there like with a jumpsuit on and I'm like, I've given up a £40,000 a year job to take this job to work on a business that's not making me any money right now. What the fuck have I done? Yeah. Like and I, I did that factory job for like two years. Um, and there was good times there and I learned a lot about myself because there was a lot of like endurance like of kind of getting up that was like I used to start at 5 in the morning it was like 5 till 3 it was hard hard graft um, to go like being a 30 something year old labourer like just cleaning up after people and people are like why are you doing this I didn't want to open my own business alright of course you are but you had to and, keep the, the vision yeah yeah, yeah and that's it um, and you know the day that I left there like was great because I'm like oh my business is doing all right. I'm going to leave you now. And the owner was like, fair play to you, well done. You know, and he was, he was a supportive guy as well. Um, and then ever since that day, like I haven't looked back. Like business has gone, grown strength to strength. Uh, my experiences have gone from strength to strength. You know, I've had a lot of life change. Um, moved a couple of times. Um, a couple of girlfriends in between. And some of them have been really supportive, which has not worked. Um, others have not. And it hasn't worked. But... You know, um, I think in the main, like, the, the people that I've had around me have been supportive and I've just kind of got to that point now where it's like, okay, doing yeah. well. 
I just got to move on on to the next project. Yeah. So. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm going to round it up there. I feel like me and you could do this again at some stage. <laughs> but I appreciate you coming on and it's been, like I say, peeling back your story and then hearing about what you've been through and where you're at now. I'm hoping that like listeners find inspiration and in, in use, and I'm sure they will because it's uh, it is yeah, an inspirational yeah. story. I didn't I didn't realise, but um, no, no, thanks for inviting yeah. me on. It's been good. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But um, yeah, cheers. There's plenty in here for people to take sort of on board as well with the routines and stuff that you said. Yep. Um, but yeah, cheers. We'll have to do it again. That's yeah, no problems. Cheers.